there's different influxes of energy throughout the year. So there's a first half of the year and a second half of the year. And then there is the wind element of spring, the fire element of summer, the dampness in later summer, dryness, coldness, comes in winter and so on. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. The other day, a patient shared with me how she's noticed that her mind is always ordering her around. It's never satisfied, never says good job and thanks. It's even disgruntled when she does what the mind just told her to do. It's a petty tyrant that rarely allows for a moment of satisfaction. Sound familiar? She's not alone in this, is she? This is commonly called monkey mind, but it's not fair to point the finger at monkeys. What we're talking about is having a human mind. Perhaps best to own it, uncomfortable as that might be, because then we might have the opportunity to do something about it. Perhaps it is simply the nature of the human mind to be disgruntled, unhappy with the current circumstances, and that is the fuel that drives us to create, to bring about change, to, as Stephen Jobs would say, make a dent in the universe. It's not the contented folks that invent things. It's not the people happy with the status quo that push for social change. Those happy with the moment are not scribbling up the books that you might like to read, designing structures that are energy efficient and an inspiration to live in, or mixing paint and imagination in ways that allow you to glimpse something of the depth of the human heart. I overheard a young couple recently complain that, air quotes here, adulting is hard. And as is so often the case, marveled at our curious human capacity to play with language in such creative and interesting ways. For some reason, overhearing that portion of their conversation got me to thinking about the popular phrase, which was the title of a book back in, I think it was the 80s, Chop Wood carry water. Supposedly, this is a reference to some Zen phrase about before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, and after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, meaning enlightenment has very little to do with the day-to-day activities of being a human. There's email to respond to, children to raise, electric bills to be paid, and our gongzor, our work in the world that needs to be done, the daily grind, the chop wood, carry water, that is both our burden and our privilege. You could come down on the side of, I have to work and be unhappy about that, or on the side of, I get to work and be thankful for the opportunity to discover how your unique talents and interests can be developed into something that creates value for others. Chop wood, carry water. It's a wonderful and terrible opportunity to discover how to take latent capacity and hone it into something that we can share with others in a beneficial way. Perhaps that petty tyrant that runs the storyline of our lives could be more than a source of suffering. Perhaps it's also the internal activist urging us to be better, or maybe it's the disruptive entrepreneur who has us innovating our way out of the constraints of our past solutions. 
the daily grind of living between heaven and earth, between inspiration and perspiration, between ideal image and the reality of the present moment. It's no easy matter, as you probably already noticed. Somehow, I find it oddly helpful overhearing that young couple's complaint about adulting and remember that whatever version of chopping wood, carrying water is ours to do, it's worth embracing. And that having a profession that helps others is a real resource in changing times. And as my patient pointed out with her critical mind, it's helpful to pause from time to time and say thank you to ourselves and recognize what we've accomplished before picking up the bucket again as we head over to the well. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you're helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. 
you've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. I don't know about you, but it seems I'm constantly trying to nail down some structure and stability in this ever-changing stream of life. I used to think that a more thorough understanding of yin and yang would help me find more balance and contentment, but curiously, the deeper I look, the more instability I see as life dances between the polarities inherent in this world that we all share. It's no joke that we live in the world of uncountable things, but there are cycles, and the cycle of 60, which includes the cycles of 5 and 12, as we see in the five of the phases and the 12 of the channels, gives us a map for grasping the great tidal flows in which we live. This conversation with Gregory Doan was recorded just as we were coming up to the crest of summer in mid-June. Gregory and I spoke earlier in the year about pole star astrology. He's got a blog, which is certainly worth a read. You can find it over on the show notes page. In this blog, he looks at the influences of the year and considers how they might unfold into the world of time and circumstances. We check in with Gregory here at mid-year as the more yin aspects of the annual cycle begin to arise and look at the opportunities and the challenges for each of the animals of the Chinese zodiac in the coming six months. You really can't nail anything down in this ever-changing world, but it is helpful to at least know the weather forecast so you know how to set your sails. Let's get into this. Gregory Doan, welcome back to Geological. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me back. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you here. We spoke earlier in the year. We were talking about pole star astrology. We were talking about the influence of the Yang Water Tiger Year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, no wonder it's been so wacky this year then. Okay. Yang Tiger Water Year. Yes. All of a sudden, I've got images of rivers at flood stage and white water and waterfalls and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yang Tiger Water Year. And here kind of at mid-year, midpoint of anything is often a good time to check in with things. And, and especially as I understand it, let me make sure I've got this right. With the pole star astrology, there's influences at the beginning of the year, and then about mid-year, it shifts. And as I recall, it has something to do with stems and branches. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Chinese astrology is actually kind of a mess. It's um, a hodgepodge of a lot of different systems put together. If you study the Chinese calendar, you see that there's all kinds of different influences and all kinds of factors happening all of the time. And the system that I 
practice and what I do, I consider to be a kind of synthesis of all of them through the lens, though, of natal astrology, looking at how your own character and fate, as we discussed last time, interacts with the chi of the year. And when we kind of zoom out and look at the calendar and look at all these different factors happening at the same time, it's kind of hard to distinguish what is what and to make sense of the calendar. So there's different systems. There's the stems and branches, and uh, there's something called a Wu Yun Liu Qi, and there's a questionable understanding of how these interact and what they are and how they are influencing human life. So Wu Yun Liu Qi is said to be something more related to the weather and something a little bit more medical, for lack of a better word, a little bit more influencing of the chi factors as we experience them through our human embodiment. And that system breaks the year down into this six seasons, and it breaks the year down into two different segments. And then there's different influxes of energy throughout the year. So there's a first half of the year and a second half of the year. And then there is the, you know, the wind element of spring, the fire element of summer, dampness in later summer, dryness, coldness comes in winter and so on. And then this all interacts. Yeah. Right. Which in turn becomes our six levels, basically, right? Taiyang and Shaoyang and and all that and and those particular influences. Yeah. So those then interact with the overarching energy of the year. And then, so to interpret that is quite complex and more medically relevant, perhaps. So looking, especially as practitioners of Chinese medicine, looking at how those things influence our physical well-being as well as our mental well-being and as also the chi of the environment. So in you know, ancient times, it was certainly used to predict natural occurrences. But the stems and branches, from my point of view, is a little bit different than that. So of all the different influences happening, the cycle of 60, which is 60 years, 60 months, 60 days, 60 hours, 60 seconds. This comes from uh, Jupiter. And we understand it through these two factors, the stem, heavenly stem, earthly branch, right? And when we're talking about the chi of the year, when we say the yang, water, tiger year, this is one of the earthly branches, right? And then that is primarily symbolic, as I understand it. So to understand in the way that I work with the interpretation of the the symbol is kind of a playful interpretation of the depth of the symbol and how the symbol manifests on earth. So the stems uh, are a little bit more, so we call them the heavenly stems, right? So that means that if they're operating from this kind of place that we call heaven, wherever that is, my teacher called it the spiritual vertical, but it manifests on earth through its branches and it does so in this kind of um, symbolic way, at least in how we are able to understand it and interpret it. Because we're talking about a kind of living presence and how the energy of heaven is, is uh, influencing and manifesting here on earth. And what it is, I don't really know. You know, there's uh, astronomically, perhaps it comes from the cycle of Jupiter, but observation over many thousands of years able to determine different patterns in this cycle and then eventually broke them down into this set of 12, right? So Jupiter 
divides the sky into 12 houses. And these 12, how they manifest it is been interpreted through these animals, right? So why animals and what do the animals have to say? What does it mean for the year to come in the form of a tiger? Yes. Well, I mean, you were just talking about symbol. Yes. We have these influences that come to us. We have symbol. You know, symbol shows up in so many places in the human endeavor, right? We've got mythology. We've got different artwork, symbols that have come down to us through different cultures, often very similar, interestingly enough, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is some kind of influence that comes in through our human consciousness. And regardless of where you are and what culture, there are some things that they're repeatable. They kind of show up the same. And symbol is such a powerful way of looking into something, right? Yes. I mean, this is this is where religion, I guess you could say, goes off the track or you know, where maybe we as humans take it off the track, right? There's these influence, these symbols, these larger concepts. And when we try to nail it down to this equals that, that often doesn't help so much. But when we take it as an inquiry, when we take it as something to chew on or see how it might unfold or notice how it unfolds in the cycles of 60, like you were saying, 60 years, 60 months, 60 seconds, 120 for that matter, 60 times two, right? Because you got your yin and your yang. Mm -hmm. Talk about wheels within wheels and then go spinning through time. It does get complex. But yes, symbols are a really curious way of exploring the human psyche. For sure. And Heiner Fruhoff, one of my main teachers, definitely described Chinese medicine and the Chinese tradition as a symbol science and as a associative thinking. I mean, associative learning it allows us to be very kind of playful and gentle with the way that we approach our experience. Because if you understand a symbol, you understand what it's associated with, then this kind of allows us to play with those associations and, and contemplate them in our experience. And to me, that's what astrology is for. It's not uh, fortune telling. It's not trying to predict anything that's going to happen. It's a contemplative act in which you understand uh, and you study these symbols and how they inform our experience. And there's a lot of them. Every system has its own set of symbols. Yeah, it's got its own pattern language. Because we can't really get at reality directly. as uh, The conceptual mind can't really it's not precise, so we kind of use these symbols to approximate something that's beyond uh, our understanding. Man, that's so true, isn't it? We can't really get at reality. Not directly. <laughs> not directly. We can sort of pick up its influences. Yeah, it's too big. And it's not uh, in the form of human thought. It doesn't qu come that way. Mm. We'd like to wish that it did, but the hum human-centric view is not the Chinese view at all. Like I think it, they thought that we were just one uh, type of being among a lots of different types of beings in sharing this kind of space. But symbols allow us to relax a little bit, not trying to figure everything out to hold things a little bit more openly. And yes or no answers as well. It's much more relaxed. I love this idea, Gregory, of Playful and gentle. Because mm -hmm. reality can be a real bitch. Uh -huh. You know, reality, at some point, it'll kill us. 
it brings us all kinds of troubles. It brings us all kinds of great things as well, love and connection and nice dinners, and, but it brings us a lot of trouble as well. And so often it seems in our human endeavor, trying to wrangle this thing into some kind of order and exert some kind of control over it. Mm-hmm. And it's slippery, right? It's like the more control you try to exert, the less control you have. Yeah. So this perspective of being gentle and playful and taking this symbol and recognizing that the universe doesn't speak in human thought. Yes. It's up to us to lighten up a bit, maybe soften up a bit to uh, be able to receive more of these influences that are not otherwise in our mind. Yes. Yeah. And something like Chinese astrology, which is just a series of symbols, just offers us a symbolic lens through which to uh, look at our experience. So if you think that all these factors are happening all the time, so we're in the water tiger year in a fire horse month, what might that mean? And to not hold it, again, strongly, but to just live our lives, but then take a step back, a kind of uh, bird's eye view, you know, and look at everything that's happening and then relate it back to these symbols and just to ask the question, what is this influence? And how does it affect me? How is it affecting community? How is it affecting the world at large? And uh, just to contemplate it, and it's a really rich experience. This has been kind of a big part of my path, just looking at the events of my life as they unfold and thinking, wow, like that was a really, what's going on? This has been a crazy year so far. Mm-hmm. And like, what is up with this, for example, feeling pent up and frustrated. So that's something that's really available. <laughs> yes. In the first half of the water tiger year. So when we get into the tiger symbol and look at everything in, available in that symbol, might start to see patterns in our life that have been going on or patterns in uh, politics or patterns at our job or something like that and say, wow, maybe this, what's going on? You know, and I think there's some kind of wisdom that comes from that, that Again, part of it's the the softening and part of it is just a rethinking of what we are and what time is and where we find ourselves in the universe, you know? Rethinking what time is and what we are. Yeah. Those are big questions. So in this year, yep, young water tiger. Mm -hmm. And we were talking earlier that there's two influences. There's the influence at the beginning. There's the influence toward the end. Restate for us what these two influences are. So people can think about this in the way that we've just been speaking of in terms of playfulness and some creativity and a bit of gentleness. Like, how do these images resonate? So the the image at the beginning, right? We got the water tiger. Mm-hmm. What else is going on in that first part of the year? And then what else is going on in that second part of the year? So some would assume that the audience here is informed on Chinese medicine to some degree. Pretty much, yeah. It's you know, unless you're geeky about Chinese medicine, you're probably not listening to this. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the the two, so the overarching thing. So first off, like in terms of the Wu Yun Liu Qi, the five movements in the six six climates. Yeah. Qi factors, right? You know, six climates. The overall theme of the whole year, in terms of that, is excess wind. And then we have to back up. So there's actually a lot of going on here in order to interpret and understand it. So we know that the overarching elemental theme of the year is the comes in the form in terms of the stems and branches from the water tiger is yang wood and yang water. In those because all all tigers by nature are are yang wood. And we can kind of back up and say more about that 
but then it is a young water year as well. And that, of course, is the generative cycle, which kind of empowers and strengthens that water element. And they have to think that it's young water, which is the very active and dynamic form of waters. And when it's got the power, the generative force of wood and wind behind it, it conjures up things like hurricanes, tsunamis, overflowing rivers, and so on. Then add that influence of the Yunyochi, the overall pattern of the year being excess wind. That's a lot of wind. <laughs> That's a lot of force, a lot of movement behind that water. Big nature. Yeah. So it's a very powerful kind of um, gale force. And But then when you break it down into the two halves of the year, the first half is Xiaoyang, a ministerial fire. And this is somewhat in the form of what I would say the constrained heat. Mm. So it's like in the second half of the year, we get a second influence of wind again. Jui and windwood, right? So this is, it's like there's this kind of triple factor of wind. But then in the first half of the year, it's kind of constrained and ideally circulating interiorly as ministerial fire. But the tiger as well has this kind of striped factor. So when we talk about the symbols of the tiger and what's important to understand about them, the first one is that the tiger is striped. So it has this kind of alternating quality, kind of a dark stripe and a light stripe. And there's this tendency, you know, if you watch a, a cat hunting, they move very still, approach very, very slowly, and all of a sudden they explode and they run forward and pounce on with their hunting and that kind of energy. So it's a lot, it's like that, there's a kind of buildup of energy and then that gets kind of unleashed. Mm-hmm. And so that's the image, what I see in terms of the, the two factors of the year. We have this kind of very, very strong buildup, this kind of really big intensity, this kind of internal pressure that happens when we get this factor of constrained heat internally. It's like a buildup of pressure. And you know, we can talk about medically what that means, but that comes in the form of the tigers. And then we talk about the emotions associated with the tiger and what tigers are like in terms of the character of the tiger. We see that those kind of emotional patterns uh, are more available. And what does all that mean? Hard to say, but we're kind of right there in the middle somewhere that turning point is going to happen that set that kind of second influx of wind after this kind of first half of the year of being ministerial fire. So we've had the Xiaoyang in the first part of the year, mm-hmm. and we'll have the Zhiyin wood wind in the second part of the year. Now, I've been giving some thought to this kind of stuff, mostly through the lens of Sa'am acupuncture, which I've been studying and, and practicing a bit because it talks about this. So I want to bring this in and see how this fits. Mm-hmm. When I think of Xiaoyang fire. I think of gallbladders. Yes. And I think of that rise, that yang wood that rises up and out. And if it doesn't get to rise up and out, that's where you get your anger, you get your frustration, you get your acting out. Yes. You bump up against barriers and you blow them the hell down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very tiger. Very tiger. Very outward tiger. And it's an outward energy and it doesn't like being constrained. Yes. Right. Something gets in the way. It's like, okay, boom, blow that up. Now, Yin, this is an inward energy, right? It's the deepest part of the human body. And when I think of Yin, I think of a deep, dark forest. Mm-hmm. It's kind of some stillness in there. I mean, there's wind that goes through the forest. It's not the wind of a hurricane, but it's like the breeze and breathing that you hear of the trees. Yin to me seems quieter because it's yin. It's not yang. Mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering how that resonates with what you're thinking and might be seeing in the second part of this year. Yeah, I think you're describing the ideal, the healthy version of it. Mm. So hopefully that that is what happens. So I was, I think, hinting more at perhaps the pathological expression of it or the potential for that. Maybe it's just the, the medical part of me looking at more like what, what, what might happen if it went wrong. <laughs> but that's more, I think, the positive side of it. that Because uh, joy in, in its healthiest form is that really deep internal kind of rest. Mm-hmm. The smooth flow and the smooth circulation of the wind energy in the first half of the year too, which in general, first half of the year is yang, second half of the year is yin, fall and winter. So theory more internalized and more restful, hopefully. So the question then is, that has that been happening? And is that happening? So it's always, of course, by level of magnification. So in your own life, if the first half of the year been able to actually use this ministerial fire, not have it be constrained, not get pent up, not get angry, not get frustrated. That's our vi- our vitality, you know, our day-to-day energy. So it's going to have been a very productive first half of the year. But uh, again, like you said, if that energy is constrained, if not, then it tends to build up and cause this kind of uh, frustration and just knock knock things out of the way trying to circulate. Right. And same with the wind. If this is restful and if that wind is released by the and smooth through the blood but released the emotions are released by the pericardium then it's restful and that's actually sleep right that's deep turning inward the reverting energy and then but if that is not the case then what is the nature of wind in the pathological sense and is that happening as well so in your own life and then looking at the things going on in the world and and asking that question yeah what uh, is the wind flowing smoothly or is it chaotic? Yes. Because <laughs> that's the other aspect of wind is the kind of uh, the chaotic movement of it. If it's not rooted, the blood is not rich in its nature, then the, the wind circulates chaotically and causes confusion. It causes uh, erratic behavior and all that. So, Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. Well, and one of the best ways to nourish your blood is get some rest. Yes. (laughs) So there's that. This is really interesting, Gregory, because I've looked at the first half of the year that I've lived here, and it's been really busy. It's been like, Mm -hmm. get to work, buckaroo. Yeah. And naturally, this is really fascinating to me, and hearing about that, that we're moving into this Dre-in period. 
it's like, holy smokes, this is lining up because I've decided, I haven't had a vacation in a long time. And I decided that in the month of July, I'm taking a break from the podcast. I'm not recording any shows. I'm not putting anything new up. I'm not running any events. I'm taking July off. I got some great reruns coming up for the month of July, just like back in the summer when we were kids, depending on your age. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some reruns. There's going to be some cool stuff that you can rewatch. But the people producing the show, they're going to take a break. So month of July, I'm taking a break. Month of August, I'm going to do some travel and kind of wander, you know, a little shout, you know, a little shout yow. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And so hearing that we're moving into this Dre Yin period, I'm thinking, yep, it's exactly what I need. Without knowing any of this, it's exactly what I've planned. So I'm kind of psyched to hear that. You know, again, looking at symbol, being playful with it, height of summer, I want some some ease and some yin, which is not a bad thing to do at that time to create some balance. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take my tiger out for a little vacation. Yeah, I think this is a really good year for that. Like I said, so if you back up and look at the tiger symbol, this has this kind of alternating quality to it. So part of it is the pouncing forward, this incre- incredible you know, unleashing of energy and, and hard work. But the other side is the tiger hides in the cave and disappears. And so this is part of the, the tiger character is this kind of being in the world and being out of the world, wanting to connect, wanting to fully engage, but then also at the same time having to retreat yes. and to go hide in the cave and solitude. So tigers by nature, of course, solitary hunters. They roam alone, very large territories. And this is an important part of the symbol and important part of understanding the dynamic of the year for sure, because it's got this in the world, out of the world, very engaged, but also very much seeking that rest and solitude because tigers have so much energy. And there's so much power in it that if they don't have that alternating quality of rest, then they get very unhappy. Well, this is kind of the nature of cats anyway. I mean, any of us that have cats, yeah, and we got a couple of them here, including an outdoor one that does pounce on, on little creatures and, and eats them. Mm-hmm. So we get to watch that in action. But even watching the house cats, yeah, they're very active at certain points. And then there's other times they go find a little shadowy, quiet place and they sleep. Yes. And it's kind of on or off. I mean, on occasion, they're, they're a little bit interactive and kind of chill. Again, yeah, they're on or they're off. Yeah, it's a feline energy. So like... It's a feline energy. The symbols, again, they're, they're loose. So in precise uh, in their nature, but more um, general categories that we kind of approximate with these animals. So they chose the tiger, but it's kind of like feline energy, you know, it's kind of like when you just watch a cat or watch a tiger or watch any of the big cats, they all have a certain kind of uh, way of behaving. Mm-hmm. And so what is it like if the whole year was like that energetically? and Up and down, that's for sure. Yes, there's a lot of ups and downs, yeah. Yeah, because cats are not always on by any stretch of the imagination. I'd like to shift just a little here. You know, again, we're at the mid-year. It's always a great middle of anything is a great moment for contemplation, right? Just think about yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Of course, everything we talk about in Chinese medicine is come back down to yin and yang. I'm curious to know your experience of this first part of the year and what ways it kind of matched up with what you've been thinking and in what ways you've been surprised by the, the first six months of the tiger year. 
Yeah, I think it's not been as dramatic as I, I thought yet. This is kind of why I was looking at the all these symbols and I was writing the blog and thinking about it. The two words that most important words that came to mind were kind of dramatic and unpredictable. And it's just kind of intensity again. And I've certainly, I have felt the intensity, but I've also been trying to, to some degree, stay off as much as I can, uh, the overload from social media and the news feed and stuff like that. So I haven't quite been paying as close attention to what's been going on in the world, trying to stay informed, but there's a kind of unpredictable nature to the year. Part of it is that uh, alternating quality of the stripes, and part of it is that just intensity of this power of the, of the wind and the water together. So you have consciously shielded yourself <laughs> to some degree from that wild, chaotic wind of the Shaoyang. Trying to, but what my experience more is that it goes internally, and or it has gone internally, at least for me, and I felt that kind of intensity inside while trying to avoid it in the external world. So I, I am a tiger too, so I'm like somewhat predisposed to these patterns. And intensity of this year in the first half, like that kind of predisposition for um, that constraint, basically. That's what I've been experiencing and seeing a lot of in myself and patients that I've been seeing. And what I see a, a lot of a lot of constraint. That's kind of one of the main things that I, I'm seeing in people. Mm-hmm. But paired with this kind of intensity of trying to push forward, trying to hunt, basically, you know, the tiger is looking for something is a kind of primal energy. And it's a kind of somewhat possessed <laughs> by this kind of hunger. And it's kind of a yearning. So that really lines up in my mind with what I see going on in the, in the world at this moment, mm-hmm. that whatever hunger we have, people are kind of going after it, but at the same time, not sure how they can get it because, yeah, there's all kinds of constraint. The economy right now has not been in such bad shape in 40 years. We've never seen such high gas prices. I don't want to get all political about this, yeah. but at the same time, I want to point out that there is a wildness to what's going on in our society right now Yeah, that I don't think we've seen this for quite some time. I mean, those of us that are like 60 or older, we've been through like a whole cycle of everything. So we might have a flavor of some of it. But, you know, for folks that are younger, this is like the first go around with something like inflation, for example. Yeah. Which I remember in the 80s when... Interest rates were at 18%. Holy mother of God. I don't know how people bought houses back then. It was nuts. But we're starting to see things like that again. And so I think about what you're talking, what you're alluding to with the Shaoyang fire and I'm going to say hunger, right? Especially after COVID and lockdowns. There's been so much constraint that we've experienced. I'm seeing this in my clinic as people are coming out of that constraint. They are not sure how to orient themselves to what the world is right now. Yeah. And the world seems really confusing because it's a different world than it was three years ago. Yeah. So my feeling, there's a kind of waiting and a kind of building up is what I, I see still happening. 
of something. So like the rising prices is, is an example. I mean, that has only one place to go and that's down. I mean, it can go up more. Hopefully it doesn't go up too much more. And that kind of alternating back and forth, up and down quality. So something like a dramatic crash economically would make sense in a year like this. And maybe that's going to happen. I don't know. But that's the nature of the energy of the year for sure. And there have been a lot of dramatic things that of course have happened that were made sense. So that's what has surprised me the most, <laughs> I suppose, so far is, but the Ming used to say, things are going well, wait. If things are going badly, just wait. <laughs> yes. And this is that, that's very much this, this kind of year. So always in that kind of that transition, that kind of bardo of waiting to see what's going to happen and the kind of unpredictability of it. Sure. I mean, that's just the nature of life here on this rock. For sure. And sometimes it's a bit calmer. You can have those nice, beautiful summer afternoons that are kind of cool and there's a little bit of a breeze and you can smell the scent of the flowers because it's just a slight breeze. And, and then there's the thunderstorms. But one thing for sure, it's always changing. It's just in what direction, at what speed. And I think so often, because we're humans and we're worried about survival, the question so often is, what does it mean for me? Yes. You know, this is the realm of astrology. So we're trying to understand our own natal astrology in relationship to the energy of the year, which is why it's hard to interpret because there is no inherently good or bad, auspicious or inauspicious year. It's all relative to you. Of course. And so like yeah. somebody born like me in a year where it's the great movement of wood that would mean something different than someone who was born in, in a year where it's a great movement of earth or metal yes, or something like that, right? It's, it's, it's why astrology can kind of fit sometimes, but it's like Chinese medicine. It's not one size fits all. Yeah, Here's an influence and how does that impact this kind of a constitution? Yes. Yeah. Now you can start to get a handle on it. Mm -hmm. At that point, you can get a handle on it. But simply, here's the outer influence. Well, okay. It's the weather, but that's going to affect you differently if you're 20 years old or if you're someone who's got a lot of dampness in your 70. Yeah, for sure. So is it possible? This may take too long. or It may not even be relevant, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Because we need context for everything that we do mm -hmm. with East Asian medicine and with Polestar for that matter. Would it be possible to quickly, briefly, go through the different animals and what the second half of the year might hold in terms of opportunity or challenge? For all 12? Yeah. Just like a little dim sum taster. Challenging to do quickly. It's a podcast. We can always take as much time as we need. <laughs> yeah. But the idea here is I'm not asking for something really in-depth, something that would be useful. Yeah. And again, in, in the symbolic realm that we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, something that will give each of us different critters something to chew on and reflect on playfully and gently in the next six months. For sure. Well, it's important first to know, everybody should hopefully know their own sign. And we have to remember that we each have four pillars, year, month, day, and hour. The year is primary. And uh, in the tradition, I learned the year and the hour are the most important. And the year is kind of like a noun and the hour is kind of like an adjective. 
So you could be a, a piggy goat or a, uh, an oxy rabbit or something like that. I love it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and so to some degree, you have to understand the nature of each of the, of the characters, right? And again, so this is something I've been, I kind of wanted to say before getting into this. There's you know, different forms of Chinese astrology, of course. And in Chinese medicine, of course, Batsa has become one of the main influences in the discussion of the stems and branches. And I'm somewhat more focused on the earthly branches. That's what interests me, you know, the, the symbol of the animals. I just find them to be very rich and to be very fun to talk about. And like I said earlier, it's a loose and a playful thing. So if you remember, this is, it's not like a clock. It's not precise. It's, again, associative. We're taking this symbol and we're, we're playing with it. I love it. And so I don't find often in the discussion of Batsa, it's a little bit too mechanical sometimes for me. It's a little bit too precise. It's a little bit too trying to be scientific. And it's very focused on the elements, the elemental influences, which is important for sure. But to me, it is the, it's a $2 paperback on the 12 animals that you go in any store on Chinese astrology. What you're going to find is a book about the 12 animals mm -hmm. and it's very folky, right? Oh yeah. I'm thinking about going to the Chinese restaurant, right? And it's right there in the placemat. And, yeah. You know, there was just something that you said too. I want to get this before it pops out of my mind because it really got my attention. Mm -hmm. What I've always thought about was the phases and the critters. So, for example, I'm a fire rooster. Yeah. Okay. And I know people that are metal pigs and, you know, wood tigers. But you were just talking about like piggy goats. <laughs> yes. So, okay. That's got my attention. Of course, the thing I love about Chinese medicine, we have all these different ways of looking through a lens that will bring something into focus. Maybe it will be helpful in helping us to help other people. So could we go a little bit into piggy goats or dragony roosters or um, rabbity tigers? That's what's up here. Well, yeah, understanding our own natal astrology, of course, like I said, the year is the considered to be the deepest because it's the broadest influence happening relevant to human beings. There are larger influences happening astrologically, but that's considered to be the deepest one. And it's an, always been an odd idea that what is most general about you is the most important. So everybody born in the year of the rooster, for example, is obviously not the same person, obviously not the same, does not have the same personality, but we'd all say you have this same character. There's something that you share in common. Mm -hmm. Even though you could have a very diverse uh, expression of personalities, there's some kind of behavioral pattern that you would have in common. But we each have, you know, in theory, four pillars, year, month, day, and hour. So in one sense, you could say that your chi character is a synthesis of all of these, but they're not all equal in terms of what they influence. So in the tradition that I learned, the month and the hour are the most influential to what I call chi character, which is something like personality. So when I say, what is a, a rat like? What is an ox like? As we talked about in the last podcast, our, our character and what influences character most strongly is these two factors. So there's a lot of things. When you look at a chart, there's 10, 20 different influences happening. But we zoom in on these two, the year and the hour, as being the most important in determining basically our capacity. So Ming always used to talk about how life is how capacity meets opportunity. Mm, love it. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. It's really true. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
And that also determines how our life goes. You know, if you have a mismatch of that, that's problematic. So if you have a huge, um, like powerful capacity, you're just talented and, and brilliant and you have great vitality and then you have no opportunity whatsoever to use any of that, then you're going to have an unhappy life. If you're not too bright, you're not that resourceful and you're somewhat more gentle constitution and you get forced into a position where you have to have all these demands put on you all the time, all these responsibilities to make all these decisions and you're a leader or something like that, then that's not going to go very well either. So this is what we look at. Do those things match? And how is it going to go? Basically, what is your capacity? And to know what that capacity is. So this is what the 12 animals tell us to some degree. And the year is the most basic, deepest, broad kind of influence. And then the hour, which is something like the ascendant, is kind of more superficial. It's a little bit on the surface. And then these are a kind of a yin and yang pair. The month and the day is I learned. And that the month and the day are what determine the batsa. These are a little bit more constitutional, a little bit more medically relevant. But in the tradition that I learned, not so influential on this chi character or personality display. So this personality display coming from the year and the hour primarily. And uh, we want to kind of have a synthesis of the two. So when you look at your year as the basis and then you want to have see that it's in a relationship with this the character of the hour so like i was born in a dragon hour and i was born in the year of the tiger it was pretty intense so you're a dragony tiger dragony tiger yeah so the dragon is altering and uh, modifying the image of the tiger and they're in a relationship uh, and then you look at the the elemental factors as well so uh, for me it's a metal dragon and fire tiger but it could be a water rat and a, a wood ox or something like that. And the month comes into this as well, not just the hour, but the month comes in as well. This is a question in astrology in different traditions, you know. So in theory, yes, all four would be relevant. So if you really want to understand your character, you should look at all four of your pillars and then kind of try to synthesize them. Mm. But again, in, in terms of what do they influence? So when I, I'm talking about the capacity uh, in terms of our personality, the year and the hour. But if you want to look at your constitution, your somewhat more embodied sense of how these influences are manifesting in you, the month and the day would be a little bit more significant. And those two, of course, relate, but, but year and the hour, for me at least, are the, are the primary ones. So then you, in that synthesis, looking at any individual, you would get, yeah, rabbity snake, <laughs> horsey, mm-hmm. monkey, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when interpreting then how a year is going to go for you uh, in thinking about it, then you have to relate both of those images. Sometimes there's a mismatch. So maybe the year is auspicious for you for your year, but then your hour might be mismatched or so or something like that. But then you got some work to do in this life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I wanted to find out my hour, because I want to know what kind of rooster I am. <laughs> Got, yep. I got a bad feeling I'm a monkey rooster. I don't know. <laughs> well, the general, the 12 hours are pretty easy. You, to get the elements, you'd have, probably have to look it up in a calendar. But So the, the 12 hours are, are standardized. So I can at least tell you the animal. Eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, daylight savings? Uh, I don't think so. So seven to nine is dragon hour. Ooh, I'm a dragony rooster. Yeah, like me. So I was born at 847 a.m. Oh, my God. Um, dragony so rooster. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> God, no wonder that's I'm a, impossible to live with. Yeah. There you go. That's a powerful combo, yeah. That's a good match. So that's considered to be that the rooster was always a, a symbol of the empress 
and the dragon is a symbol of the emperor. So that's considered to be a royal pair. A definition of uh, regal, those two together. So, Well, if I was a poker player, that might be helpful. But I'm an acupuncturist. We'll see, we'll see how that plays out. That's interesting. Okay, I'm going to be playful and gentle and, and look at that. Let's turn toward how each of the different, uh, I mean, now we, first of all, thank you, because now we have a, a way of looking at not just what kind of critter we are, but like what kind of crittery critter we are. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. I appreciate that. Let's do turn toward what kind of critter we are in the influences of the year. So who should we start with? I guess, I guess we start with the rat. The rat's the beginning, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so classically, uh, traditionally, you know, it's uh, always start with the rat. And uh, even though the rat is uh, not the first animal, the tiger is actually the first animal, or the first moon, I should say. So the, the tiger, again, is, is the symbol of spring. It's a spring energy and the first moon. But uh, for some reason, the rat became the first. Because the rat is sneaky. Yes. That's the story, is that in the race of the 12 animals, there is to see who would be first, slow and steady was going to win the race. Ox was first in line. Every other animal got distracted. Ox just kept plowing forward and he was eventually going to win the race. But the sneaky rat snuck on top of the ox's head and jumped off his nose at the last minute to be first. Because the rat is resourceful and has that kind of uh, intelligence. Yes, the rat is an entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, so it's also important to look at the elemental relationship as well. So you have to consider when you're, you're looking at your animal in relation to the year, of course, are you a water, wood, metal, fire, or earth sign? And then think about that relationship, you know, and that's very simple, but in general, water signs. So if you're a water rat, you're in line with the energy of the year. It kind of matches. So the kind of uh, capacity to flow and adapt is a little bit easier. Wood, by nature, this is... Um, child of water so therefore you are in kind of if you're a wood sign then you are more greatly empowered by the energy of the year the metal sign you know this is the mother of water so it's upholding relationship but it could be draining in the sense that yeah you are upholding the dynamic of the year and it can be kind of pulling from you and fire obviously is, is extinguished by water so it could be a kind of stifling year in that sense of like yeah rough year for the fire folk yeah it's not not so easy cuz uh, but this could be a good thing cuz this kind of intensity of fire is kind of hard to manage sometimes and it's good for fire folk to calm down a little and rest from time to time so it's actually good in that sense if you can go with it and then same with uh, earth again that's the controlling factor but it's the other way around where earth we say controls water of course so you are kind of able to contain the chaos basically so earth contains water like a you know a vessel so this is containing energy but contrasting and when you get earth and water together in excess we get muddy and a bit stuck sometimes but so yeah we, that's the general elemental kind of overview and that would be true for all the different animals. Yeah. We look at it across this, the cycles of creation and yeah. and control. And, you know, we're acupuncturists, so yep. we already have a pretty good sense of what that might mean for us. Yep. Or our patients, for that matter. Yep. And certainly something to consider for ourselves and for others mm-hmm. in terms of why we struggle and why somebody else might be struggling. or Or maybe even why we're flourishing. Yes, why things are going are, are much easier. It's always so interesting because in any situation, through any kind of trouble, there's always those people that they don't just do okay, they thrive. For sure. 
And I suspect part of that has to do with those outer influences are and those inner resources that someone has. Like you were saying earlier, what Ming used to say about how capacity meets opportunity. Yeah. When those are matched, then we thrive. That's basically the definition of uh, flourishing. Mm-hmm. When you actually you know, have all the opportunities to demonstrate your character and your capacity. And then that's the definition of frustration as well, is when you don't. If you have a lot to offer the world, a lot to share, and nobody to share it with, nobody to, or nothing, no place to do it, or no support to do it, or so on. So, And we're all lopsided in that sense. So there's always places in which we have opportunities and places which we do not. And few people have are just flourish everywhere. So often we see people who flourish in one area of life and struggle in another. And that's again what what astrology looks at in terms of like looking at the twelve houses, for example, is to see how we're we're all kind of lopsided and um, <laughs> so and ideally where we have to work if we don't have resources, we don't have good opportunities somewhere. Maybe it's a good idea to divert our attention elsewhere, or maybe we have to work to make connections and find resources that are not available to us. But also, of course, how that happens is in the form of character. So character determines a lot how we relate to opportunity. So again, like what one person might consider an opportunity, another person might consider a nightmare. Like if you all of a sudden were promoted to being a manager and a rabbit, and now all of a sudden you have to have uh, all this responsibility, you have to meet with people all the time, you have to have all these decisions placed on your shoulders, it might be very stressful. Hopefully you're a dragony rabbit. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's a good example actually of so there you might have another even if you were a rabbit, maybe if you're born in the hour of the dragon, then you might be able to rise to that opportunity and become a really good leader. So that would be a great example of how a great leader could actually be made because ideally a leader should have heart and rabbits have a lot of heart. So do dragons, of course, but the rabbit by nature hides their heart. They're shy and they keep it very protected. So hard to be you know in the spotlight but if they have an influence of the dragon then they can be in the spotlights and have heart at the same time and that could be a very powerful display yeah an opportunity to develop different parts of ourselves that bring more balance yeah to who we are and brings out hidden latent capacities so i know we could get like into the wheels and wheels and wheels here. Yeah. That's easy to do. Let's try to go through the critters though. So starting with the rat, yeah. Yeah, with just that yearly influence and the second part of this year coming up. So the rat by nature is the smallest of the animals and they have this kind of resourcefulness. If The virtue of the small is what I, I, I called it when I wrote the blog on the, the rat year, the virtue of the small. There's a, that book, The Dove Piglet. Great book. Yeah. That's a great book for the kind of rat energy. And rats by nature are kind of, uh, so in their, by nature, young water. So they kind of match really well with the year because it's a young water year. The mm. basic nature of all rats is young water. And that's kind of like, there's a saying, you know, the rats are the first to abandon a sinking ship. So rats have this capacity to kind of see danger coming, and but also can be a bit paranoid <laughs> because they're about re- resources. If you're small, you have to work together with others and band together in order to to do things. And rats, when they, the animal, gather together in huge groups. And then when they do that, they can you know, gnaw away the foundation of a whole building and take it apart. So the nature of the tiger is a bit intense. It's a bit much for the rat. It's a kind of the drama as the capacity to send the rat into a kind of paranoid 
ship is sinking panic mentality. You know, rats could, could, could kind of go off the rails and start hoarding for the apocalypse, especially when this kind of situation, say, like economically, like we have now. So that's one of the most important things of the rat is here is a kind of mental health check and to notice this pattern of going into doomsaying or going into the darkness. So avoiding isolation and, and making sure to do their best to connect with other people. Because rats by nature are community oriented and they bring people together, but out of necessity and out of resource and out of a kind of a deep sense of a need. So there's some animals that are community oriented out of more of a connection. The rats for rats, it's like, it's essential. It's for survival. It's a kind of survival. It's like, we actually really do need each other. You don't see lone rats too often. No, that's a, it'd be definitely a, a kind of danger, but they very detail oriented. Of course, this is the nature of the rat. It's a zoomed in focused look at things and it's a kind of precise energy. So the, mm-hmm. there's a kind of need for that in a year where there's potentially a lot of drama and a lot of chaos. Now, what about this yin, this dre yin side of it? We're coming into the yin side of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so this Dre Yin influence, I get it that, that, that we've got the tiger and that stirs the rat up in a certain way, but let's just focus it down to this latter part of the year with this Dre Yin energy coming in. And then we'll just take that through all the different animals. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a saying about the mental health part, mm. the nature of the rat to go kind of um, paranoid. And that's the internal wind. So making sure to, to check uh, and to do self-care necessary. By again, yeah, connecting with people and, and having community and having support and bringing people together. So like it's the first half of the year has this capacity to kind of to scatter people, push people into a kind of individualistic mode. If the second half of the year is a kind of, has all this wind influence, then making sure that that wind is a, uh, contained. That's, uh, I guess, would be the most important thing. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations, All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. So be careful with your inner ruminations is what I'm hearing. Yes, and tending to relationship, I suppose. That definitely helps with inner ruminations because tending to relationship will tend to keep you 
connected to the world and not just lost in your own dark forest of your mind. Yes. Okay. And to offer as well that kind of resourcefulness to other people because we need that kind of a capacity to, to not overlook the details. And that's the rat's job. All right. What about the ox? Ox. By nature, very sturdy, very strong, very containing energy, and probably won't be too disrupted by this year. You know, there's a strength to both the tiger and the ox. The ox is the definition of yin, yin strength, which is a, by its sheer you know, size, it just moves and it, it plows the earth. So oxes have this capacity to carry other people and uh, often have a lot of responsibility put on them. And um, usually they put it on themselves and take it on. So oxes may feel more responsibility for others mm -hmm. in this latter part of the year with this Drayan influence. Yeah, and as it's just, it's similar to the the rat in terms of the I mean I think all of them are going to have a, a degree of of mental health checking in, but in different ways. A kind of gloominess, the darkness I think that's available. You know, overall in in the uh, water years, probably more so when we get into the Yin water. But the ox, by nature, can be kind of a, you know, it's the yin earth energy is is very could stagnate a bit. Stagnating, yeah, that's probably the right word. So in a way, it it, it could be a kind of a, the wind. The wind could keep things moving a little bit. It's it might not be bad to be an ox right about now. Yeah, I think that's probably right. You know, I think because oxes are just going to plow forward. They're just going to do their thing. They're very routine. Um, they're going to keep working. Keep they're they're always going to be busy. And as the year starts to internalize, it does the internal wind starts to kick up in that internal mode. Uh, actually, could be enlivening for that inner earth element, and that so the wood controlling earth uh, is actually a little lightening. It keeps it from getting stagnant and aerates it. All right, Oxus might have a next good six months. Yeah, I think just keeping the routine. They're good at that. That's what they do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what they're really good at it. Well, let's talk about tigers. Yes. So, tiger. Our friend the tiger. Yeah. So, you know, I said I'm a tiger. And if your second half of the year is very much the kind of, we'll see which stripe comes forward. So, how you've kind of squared with the stripiness has a lot to do with how the year goes for tigers. And that's that kind of alternating quality. So, it's overall an extraordinarily important year for self-reflection for tigers. And uh, that second half of the year, the yin half of the year, the capacity for rest and the need for rest. So the first half of the year likely much more active and uh, the second half of the year going internal and hiding in the cave, which is important, but also trying not to do it too much to the point where you get isolated or depressed or anything like that. So there's a, a, probably a good idea for tigers to get out of their shell a little bit and try to be more social in the second half of the year. And hopefully the first half of the year sets that up, building relationships and also just doing a lot of the hard work. And it's kind of the year for tigers to bring forward all their kind of best qualities and also to watch out for all their darkest qualities to come forward as well. So that kind of reflection will be very important. So tigers take a little bit of a vacation, <laughs> go easy on yourself, but not too easy. Yep. The dark and the light, both come forward very strongly. So like I said, all your best qualities, but also all the darkest qualities come out and to be able to not to notice that and the potential for the darker qualities to happen in the, the yin half of the year. So 
tigers are, are uh, have an inner conflict. Every time they rest, they want to be in action. And every time they're in action, they want to rest. So it's kind of like just have to accept and embrace solitude uh, when it happens and to go full forward and just fully embrace that activity. That's the tiger tiger way. Okay. For rabbits, the similar perhaps, like I mentioned before, rabbits are all about the heart and that kind of uh, inner deep feeling feeling quality. And uh, there's a kind of nesting instinct, perhaps, again, the alternating quality of the year, the second half of the year. Hopefully the first half of the year, my advice would have been definitely to prepare for unevenness and unpredictability and uh, getting things like finances, jobs, relationships, all very strongly in order. So then the second half of the year, it can everything can be kind of stable. Because without that, the capacity for the year to become very unstable, and if those things aren't in order, then the second half of the year will probably be a bit unnerving. So it's very important to secure mm-hmm. all of the things that give the rabbit the power. When the, when the, if the rabbit has support, when they have their home base, when they have their finances, and they have all those things secure, then they become the dragon. That's uh, they become very, very powerful, you know. So okay, that's interesting. The rabbit becomes the dragon. When so having your hearth and home in good order is really important right now. Very much so. Yeah, and I would say dragons. You know, Ming always said he would wash his hands of dragons. There's nothing you can really say to them. They're just going to do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would say it's probably the case, but you know, just the dragon without self-reflection, without humility, and without a sense of staying connected to the earthly realm, just goes off the rails. It's too visionary. It's too big of an energy, and uh, so staying connected to the earth. You know, the tiger is a kind of the terrestrial dragon. It's considered to be the. That's why they're always depicted fighting over the ring of power mm. in Chinese iconography. You know, they're they're very similar in that sense, and. Uh, the connect staying grounded and staying on earth, being a little bit humble and avoiding the aloof nature. Dragons can just be off doing their own thing and seem very aloof to others and self-centered in that sense. So the second half of the year, internalizing and the capacity for solitude don't really mix well, you know, sometimes with the dragons outward moving. So dragons might be a little edgy in this second part of the year. They don't like that closed, drain, dark wood energy. That It's a little bit counter yeah. to their nature. So they might be a little fussy and be on guard for that. Is that what I'm hearing? I think so, yeah. I think that embrace that and to say it's okay you know, to rest from time to time. I mean, that's probably maybe something to say to everybody and maybe imperative more than others. But dragon can be a little bit dramatic as well if things are not kind of going their way so cool it on the on the drama cool it on the drama all right dragons cool it making mountains out of molehills okay see where snakes very similar also their nature is uh, like the tiger is stillness in action they but their side of stillness is uh, you know so a snake can lie still for hours they can a long time and then all of a sudden strike very quickly and you know that's how they hunt. Uh, they become a, a tree root or something. And the dark half of the year, that kind of stillness side of the tiger, you know, will empower that a lot. Probably very natural for snakes to want to go into the solitude. So I'd say that 
if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So embrace the spiritual side of it. You know, there's a kind of a lot of available spiritually in this year. Many of the themes of the year that I, I wrote about in the blog, which are things like death and dying and the dream world. These are very big and empowered and the snake uh, probably has the greatest capacity to kind of go into these things and to really contemplate them fruitfully. So I'd say, you know, this is the capacity for uh, spiritual reflection. And again, this probably applies to everybody to some degree, but maybe snakes just have that ability to go into it. It's just watching out for the kind of nihilism and, uh, and depression and laziness and inaction and things like that can be unhealthy, but to go into the kind of spiritual depths. So a unique opportunity for the snake. Yeah. Okay. For horse, right now we're in the horse month, and this is a kind of, you know, the height of summer. The horse is the galloping, running fire energy. I'd say this is probably the best year for horses overall in general. This is the kind of uh, push of uh, yang that uh, horses have been, I think, looking for for a while. The second half of the year is hard to say because horses, I think, are going to want to be just keep running. It's like a galloping, just wild, free energy to the horse that I think really wants to go just crazy this year. And the danger is, of course, jumping over your own experience. You know, you take leaps of faith. This is kind of a year to take leaps of faith, to just do something, to just push forward, to just do the thing you've always wanted to do. So, you know, I think horses could just just keep that going, basically. The danger, though, of course, in the second half is just going overboard with it, doing doing too much. You can't take that many leaps of faith. You know, you can't take that many uh, brave, daring moves forward. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to relax a bit. So, would it be fair to say that the horses with all their wild, creative, galloping energy would do well to, like, dial it back to a trot and consolidate? some of the experience and some of the movement that they've had in the first part of the year. Yeah, especially if they've done that movement to recognize and have that reflection to to hold it back and to kind of slow down a bit to say, all right, what have I accomplished so far and how do I refine this and turn it into a... So the horse has that ability to train like the equestrian you know, side and uh, basically to focus and more further refine Mm. what they've put into action, what they've moved forward. It's a great word, refine. Take an opportunity to refine what you got. Yeah. You know, I think there's a goats, rabbits, and pigs. These are the, this is the, the social trine. And we really need these people, like, uh, and people who have this capacity. People are social in different ways and bring people together socially in different ways and have different things to offer. But we need real community. Communities have been absolutely gutted by the past few years, I think. And people are struggling to find community all over the place. And the, the goat is the herd animal. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this year, which is hypes up this kind of individualism and, and personal sense of potentially struggle and isolation and frustration. So I think goats just like, the more you can bring people together in the darkness, there's, I would say, please, we need it. And again, this goes to everybody to some degree or another, but it's natural to you and you have that capacity the egalitarian nature of the goat, you know, is I think really, really needed in this second half because I think there's a loneliness and a uh, isolation that a lot of people are feeling. And uh, the goat by nature just feels that natural way that everybody is connected and how everything is interconnected. And so bringing that out, sharing that, pointing it out to people and being a bridge, uplift other people and, and so on. That's what I would say for the goat in principle, for sure. 
Goats have an important role right now. Yeah. Now, monkey. The monkey is the opposite of the tiger. And monkeys, I'm hoping, uh, all the monkeys out there, that year is not being too rough on you. And the first half of the year is a little bit more that, like, maybe the tiger is out the gate hunting and the monkey is, like, trying to just escape. That's the nature of the monkey is a kind of playful energy of trying to pull the rug out from under things, you know, run down the tree, grab the tiger by the tail, and run back up the tree to escape danger. This does not go as well in the tiger year. Tiger's more likely to catch you. Monkeys, don't pull the tiger's tail. Yeah. We know you want to. Yeah. Yeah. The whole year for monkeys is kind of like a lay low as well as just to rein back and, and to look in the mirror so that the opposite energy is that of a mirror. Mirrors can be uncomfortable to look at if your opposite tells you the most about you spiritually. So your monkeys probably come up against a lot of difficulty. And it might be a powerful mirror, basically. To eat eat bitter is a kind of you know Chinese term, right? A number of signs, it's a kind of eat bitter year and monkeys for sure. So monkey kind of chaotic energy and don't tend to do good in stillness. They like to be active monkey mind, you know, so... Right. We're looking at some Drayin energy here. So this is a good opportunity for the monkeys to sit, look at that mirror as uncomfortable as it is. You know, again, earlier we we're talking about capacities and opportunities. Yeah. It's an opportunity to take a look at the thing you don't really want to look at, which none of us really enjoy, but it <laughs> can be yeah. really helpful for each of us. So monkeys have a unique opportunity here for some growth. Yeah, I think smooth out the wind. Smooth out the wind. The wind energy is very strong in the in the monkey. The uh, it was young young metal though. It's internalized. It's the, the very active imagination, and so there's just the watching out for the danger of uh, where the imagination can go if it's kind of uh, not given that mirror. The imagination can kind of kind of run wild, but it's tough for monkeys. But yeah, rest. <laughs> Don't swing to the next branch. Don't look for the next thing. Just Chill. Monkeys, chill. Yeah, you've seen the, the images of the water monkey in uh, Japan just chilling in the in the bath. Uh, that's the monkey. All monkeys should watch that and just be like, all right, that's... That's the monkey for the second part of the year. Okay. How about his roosters? Yeah, it's a classic gong uh, fu pair. You know, the roosters, the crane, very kind of seem to balance the, the heavy paw of the tiger, right? So the combination of strength and precision together, very powerful combo. I think the capacity for a kind of uh, productivity, like you said, the need for that the rest, uh, you're, you're feeling it already. But if you can take that, the capacity, so the, the precision and the focus of the rooster and the exactness, if it is focused and it is grounded, then the productivity is pretty much off the charts, uh, but not necessarily outwardly, but like inwardly and practically in terms of planning and in terms of organizing getting things in order and so on so i'd say like you know the meditative exactness <laughs> can have a very strong mm -hmm. effect of, of putting all the channels in order okay yeah like i said i've experienced a tremendous burst of energy in this first part of the year i've naturally moved into this more yin piece i've got it all planned it's on the calendar it's happening so taking that further and often if you cultivate some stillness there's a lot that can come out of it you just have to sit and wait and let it ripen mm -hmm. all right 
That sounds like good advice for the rooster. What about the dogs? Dogs, part of it. So the horse dog and, and the tiger are a trine of compatibility. They seem to be good buddies, you know, and the dog all about uh, loyalty, right? So the tendency, though, of the dog to be pushed this year into its kind of lone wolf nature is a little bit higher. The first half of the year could have been disrupting towards those personal alliances. And I've seen it in a couple of dogs as, as well. Paying attention to wake up, I think, to the need to really solidify the most important intimate relationships. So if it means, yeah, taking time off work or cutting back hours or uh, whatever, I think the heart connection, the dog, of course, the pericardium. And uh, so if the first half of the year has really just been rough, then the second half, you know, the way a dog recharges is through those really, really deep personal connections. Uh, and some dogs find that in solitude. Uh, so if that means taking the time for yourself as well, but making sure that those heart connections are very well tended to, basically, I would say is important. And again, like I said, some of these true for everybody to some degree, but if pericardium connections, you know, if that is um, broken or traumatized or anything like that, the dog is very unhappy, you know, but with it, they flourish. And the yin half of the year, of course, the time to internalize and to be with other people more as it gets darker and gets colder and so on. And, um, you know, the dog should also bring forward its creative side. So dogs have a, there's a strange nature that uh, of dogs having a very a unique and very personal creative sense that's empowered this year. And this is, I think, one of the most creative years available for everybody There's in terms of artistic creativity, but I would encourage uh, dogs to um, let their kind of unique personal sense of self out a little bit more than usual. All right. Final but not least character yeah of course pigs ming was a pig and uh pig and tiger are a special confucian pair they are considered pig is considered to be the kind of best support for a tiger for the tiger energy because tigers are uh, need a lot of help and uh, pigs by nature are the, the most generous the most kind of loving and accepting of, uh, of people but also have a very strong wrathful side they are protectors it's the mama bear energy but also the kind of energy of relaxation enjoyment and the tiger has this quality, you know, one side of the, of the cat and one side of the feline energy is very much a kind of like lazy, napping, snacking kind of energy. And, uh, you know, the pig is very much like this kind of all the time. That's all they would really, I think, like to do. And uh, the second half of the year is, you know, bringing out the lazy cat. So one, helping other people to enjoy life. So this is something we forget in a, in a, in a year as intense as the, this tiger year, the opportunity to forget enjoying your lunch or to forget to take a nap or to forget all these things is very easy to do. So the pig is definitely, you know, I'd say br bring it out and just go kind of go strong with it. The enjoyment and the um, relaxation and the uh, helping of other people to, to enjoy and to really indulge in their senses, their, uh, sensory experience of life is is so rich and when we're so stuck in our minds all the time uh when we're so stuck in our uh ambitions and constantly pushing forward all the time uh, we forget you know how amazing uh you know a strawberry can taste or something like that so that's the pig <laughs> so it sounds to me like for the pigs all us other animals would benefit from having some pig friends to hang with yes yeah pigs should have a party going yeah that'll help us to enjoy the moment 
being Jin though, for pigs, maybe they need to be a little bit on guard against self-indulgence. Yeah, that's always for true for pigs for sure. And the the yeah, the tendency to go a little bit overboard is also, you know, why the wind just keep things moving, keep things circulating so they don't get they don't get stagnant is probably good. So that could be really helpful for the pigs. It, they won't get too stagnated. Yeah, similar to the ox, I think in that sense the wallowing, just watch out to not talk, wallow too much in in the <laughs> In the dark forest, yeah. All right, good thing we got some breeze there. Okay. Well, holy smokes, this is its always fun sitting down and talking with you about this stuff. And again, I so appreciate your sensibility and your capacity to share with us how to play with this stuff symbolically, how to explore it. And, and use it not as something to nail down, but as something to open up and inquire with. Yes, I hope people can, if there's one yeah, message that I would have, it's, and this is, goes for everything in the Chinese tradition, you know, is to play with symbols, really, is to, to learn the, each symbol. So, like, giving a, trying to give a little bit of tastes here, but, you know, we get this huge vocabulary of symbols, and to learn them as much as you can, and to really go in-depth into the richness of each symbol, and then, like, to just, yeah, play with them in life. And that would be my my hope for everybody uh, studying the Chinese tradition and using Chinese astrology to inform Chinese medicine and so on. Yeah. Not don't try to nail things down. Don't try to get this mechanical, just play and be loose and gentle. Mm. A light, the light touch of associative thinking is I think the way to wisdom, you know, especially with something like Chinese medicine, because like after doing this, you know, for a year now, I realized this, this is not a person. This is not precise. It is, it is a, a playful act, you know, uh, to some degree, if you try to force it, to fit into systems, you're doing a disservice to people because nobody fits into a box, you know. No, we don't. This is anything that Chinese medicine has taught me. You can't put people in boxes. I mean, we kind of use boxes as a way of learning to view the world through the idea of Chinese medicine, but then the lines disappear as you begin to practice. Yeah, the boxes are are symbols too, you know, like a pattern in Chinese medicine, like mm-hmm. spleen chi deficiency. That's just a symbol as well. It's it's also a playful thing. And and if you know what the spleen is, you know what all these different factors are, then you can look at how it might be manifesting for somebody. And it just gives you an avenue to approach things as well, you know, and to um, and to understand people and to understand our own experience. Again, it's a it's a reflective, contemplative act that should enrich our lives, and it should just make things more interesting, more fun to think what, you know, what is this thing that we are in this flow of time, this flow of experience and um, such a rich tradition of, and symbols are just, uh, yeah, fun. And helpful navigation marks. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this is a good place to put a pin in it for today. Thank you so much for your time and maybe we'll talk again around the beginning of the new year. <laughs> yeah. Well, next you're the rabbit. I'll do my best to um, continue my tradition of, of commenting and uh, happy to come back and talk about it again. Well, I am not alone in expressing appreciation for the work you do. Thank you so much, Gregory. Talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yijing stems and branches the way the Chinese calendar charts the seasons. The Tensegrity of the five phases, the influence of the six climatic chi, all of this 
might be helpful to us in our clinical work. It's helpful, not because it tells us what to do or what points to use, but that we might get a glimpse of where somebody is at and how they got there. And that just might be what's needed to guide us in helping people who seek out the medicine that we have to offer. There is no stopping the wheels and cycles of change, but as we think about our work with acupuncture, how we are looking to aid the flow of chi so it moves smoothly or remove blockages and counterflows so as to set things in the correct direction, it seems to me that our job is less about fixing things like a handyman and more like being a trusty navigator who helps the pilot to steer a reliable course through uncertain waters. I hope that you are enjoying midsummer. I'm going to be taking a break for the next month and enjoy a bit of yin quiet here in the yang of the year. But do be sure to tune in here on the podcast because I've got some summer reruns that you probably haven't heard. These are some of my favorite conversations from the Everyday Acupuncture podcast, which in essence was the precursor to Geological. Please enjoy these conversations and then in August... We'll be back with a special series on bodywork and East Asian medicine. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks... That's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.